Hello there. We're Vincent Elliott McNally. Yes, the great-great-grandsons of map-making mogul, Rand McNally. We've recently released our family's first almanac in over 50 years, and now we're setting out on a new journey. Using Rand's old travel journal as our guide, we're visiting his 20 all-time favorite towns. We'll be counting down the greats as given by our great-great-grandfather and want you, the listener, to come along for the ride. In a show we call These Parts, a podcast putting towns on the map. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of These Parts. I'm Vince McNally. Back at last. We'll get to that in a second, I'm sure. But with me this week, as he will be every week from here on out to the finish line, it's my brother, my friend, and my recording partner, Elliot McNally. Elliot, it's great to be back. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess, but you still haven't explained why you were gone. You just strolled into town like 20 minutes ago. Well, um, the good people of... Wungston, Texas, uh, were hospitable to me the whole week. Uh, a, a classic caper of a spelling mistake uh, when I was taking notes from your direction. You wrote the directions, though. Yes, I can't read my own handwriting. I sort of enter a fugue state while I'm note-taking. That makes sense. And then it's like I'm deciphering a different language when I come out mm-hmm. of it. Well, regardless, our first episode back was great. I actually planned ahead. I assumed that you would fuck up somehow. Uh, and I got our... He's sort of like our illegitimate cousin. The ties were tenuous, but he is related to us somehow. He helped me out hosting the show, and it was a great episode, and I'm glad that you're back for this week's episode in a town that is very exciting because it documents a point in history that is not really usually noticeable in the Rand McNally lore. Yes, a deep cut, I think, is what the kids are calling it these days. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we have a deep cut indeed, little more than a pit stop on Rand's historic crossings of this country, but one that stuck with him, one that has uh, made it rise up the list. I believe, Elliot, we are at his ninth all-time favorite town. This is a town that, obviously, we know that our great-great-grandfather is a very fastidious person. He was very detail-oriented. But this town represents a small lapse in his fastidiousness. It does indeed. Elliot, should we go ahead and get to putting this on the map? I think we should. So, listeners at home, take out your comprehensive Rand McNally medallion edition. Do we, what do we want to say? No, no. no. Let's... I mean, take out the map. We're, we should really dedicate ourselves to working through this for next episode. Yeah, we, we haven't had time to ex- actually explain what this map is called. Listeners, take it out. Take out your medallions. Or if you didn't have time to order medallions ahead, we have a promotion going on with Tab Cola right now. So you can take out your crushed Tab pop can and stick that can or medallion in Nurgens, Kansas. As I alluded to before, Nurgens, Kansas is a place that Rand lost something in. He lost a sock because Nurgens is home to the nation's first ever laundromat on one of Rand's cross-country journeys. He stopped here to do some laundry, and wouldn't you know it, a sock was misplaced. Indeed. uh, As we've mentioned, Rand took very detailed and thorough notes on his itinerary and his supply everywhere he went. Now, only once in the history of his travels did the numbers not add up? Mm-hmm. After a layover here in Nurgens, he came up a sock short. It's something that haunted him for the rest of his life. It's something that he didn't forget, and it's something that has landed Nurgens in the top 10 all-time Rand towns. But don't take our word for it. We've got someone here from Nurgens who serves a very important function. They're going to help us host today's episode. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Wow, thank you for having me today. Uh, my name is Matthew Landry, and uh, it is... An honor to be here with you two fine boys. I have been running the laundromat business for, well, most of my life when I inherited it from my father and he inherited it from his. Uh, As you know, Nergens is the home of the laundromat business. Uh, And I believe the first laundromat we ever established was called the old spinning the old spinning cycle it was one of our it was one of our better names that we had on the board and it kind of just stuck what what were some other names that you had on the board some of the other names that we had i i went through some of the old notes we had the old scrub and dub uh another one we had was spinsters just for fun uh we had a couple other ones called uh Clothes, clothes, whirl, 
that was one of my personal favorites. But mm, uh, like I'm actually too. pretty partial to Spinsters just for fun. Spinsters just for fun was definitely yeah. well. That was the wife's idea, and uh, it's a very creative. It's a very focused demographic, but I do like it. Uh, Certainly, I personally yes. would have gone with and. I don't want to overstep my bounds here. I'm no business namer, but Landry's Laundry seems to sort of roll off the tongue. Well, yes. I mean, that is certainly what we uh, ended up on at the end of it. Uh, Landry's Laundry does roll off the tongue, and you are a bright individual right there. So, now, thank you. Yes. correct me if I'm wrong, Matthew. You can call me Matt. Matt your, Landry. <laughs> your great, 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 great grandfather, whom you share a name with, also... Uh, Matthew Landry. Yeah, the concept of a laundromat actually came from a mix-up at the courthouse, where the business application, the clerk thought that the name was the name of the business type. So he saw Landry, comma Matt, and he said, "Oh, it's a they're applying to open a laundromat." Whatever that is, but of course, laundro from the Latin to clean, and Matt which is sort of a holdover mart. Oh, my God, Elliot. We all, we know you read the Da Vinci Code. Okay, can we move on? I just thought that our listeners would want to get into the etymology of the word. I mean, Matthew, it, it, I'm right. That is correct, and that Stevens. is uh, when I knew that uh, the, the genius of the word was to clean. Uh, well, when my great-grandfather knew, I should say, when he knew that, that's when he knew destiny was calling. Mm. Mm. Something mm. in your blood needs to get cleaned in a spin, in a spinning fashion. Don't talk you to know? Elliot about cleaning blood. He'll bring up some <laughs> more of this demons and angels <laughs> bullshit. Some of some of the way you know you would be amazed. You know uh, the the machines that we have today. You can clean anything: blood, uh, more blood. Mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of customers sense. coming in to clean blood soap clothing? In Nergens, we've got a couple. You know, a couple of regulars. <laughs> <laughs> but but Landry's Laundry has expanded across the lower Midwest. You you yourself are sort of the self-proclaimed laundromat king of the lower Midwest now. Well, yes, I mean, I I guess I do call myself that. I was, uh, yes, the laundromat king. Uh, yes, I fought hard for that one. Yeah, I, down, uh, you know, through the states, expanding my empire, so to speak. Some call you the Charlemagne of Laundry given your gruesome campaign to take over other minor regional laundry chains and the fact that you have three sons that will inevitably inherit the business when you pass on. Yes, well, never have three sons. You should always have just two, so I never told which one was the the extra. They all came out (laughs) at around the same time, so didn't expect three, only prepared for two. Now I've got three to deal with. Uh, the campaign, I mean, I consider it more of a liberation rather than a gruesome war campaign as I've been, you know, compared to. But, uh, you know, business is business. is business. Well, in the laundromat game, people are out for blood. And so it's good that you have a means to clean it up. With. Absolutely. You know, everybody's out for blood these days. You know, you, somebody's got to be able to clean all that up. And that's why I'm here. I'm just providing a service. And speaking of providing services, could you take us back to that original laundromat? The, the scrub and dub, was it? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the spin and uh, the spin the spin cycle. The spin cycle. The, the one that our great-great-grandfather would have wandered into. What, what would he have seen? What kind of establishment was this place? Well, actually, we still have it uh, to this day as it was in the day that uh, he came in there on that fated morn. It's it's been dusted regularly. We try to make it, you know, kind of like a time piece. And uh, he would have seen three uh, at that time newest machines, uh, the spinners. You guys called them spinners back then. We called them spinners. We didn't really know what else to call them because, well, you, they spin. You see, sure. Yes. Mm. And uh, at the time, they were our newest machines. Now they're obviously our oldest, and uh, yeah, he would have paid. Out. Yeah, he would have paid about uh, about twenty five cents to get all of his clothes clean, which back then was kind of a high price. But uh, oh yeah, I'm doing the, the calculations quality. now, and so that in 2018 money, that is 
twelve million dollars. Well, I didn't. <laughs> well, I didn't get to the top by running a charity. <laughs> shrewdly said. Shrewdly said, Mister Landry. Um, and to this day, you can still go in and get your laundry clean at one of those old school original spinners. You just need a half quart of diesel gasoline and a couple of hours to wait. That's right. Patience is key in the laundry business. Uh, and gasoline, diesel, absolutely. Another key ingredient to clean clothes. You are absolutely right there, son. And another key ingredient, though, is losing some article of clothing. This usually happens, you know, I I can't stress enough how dangerous it is to go into a laundromat and not take account of all of the belongings that you brought with because inevitably a sock, some underwear, a shirt is going to get lost. And that's exactly what happened to our great-great-grandfather, right? Vincent? Yeah, listeners, yeah. you've all heard the trope, you know, the, the machine eats socks. You know, you've always got one fewer sock than when you started with. You know, maybe we should pull up that, that great Jerry Seinfeld bit and just play that for the rest of the episode. <laughs> a lot of cultural scholars trace that trope all the way back to it happening to Rand. You know, Rand was a, a figure of some notoriety at the time and uh, famous for his fastidiousness. So when he couldn't locate a sock, it instantaneously became imprinted in the cultural zeitgeist. It was sort of like an emperor's new clothes type thing. People didn't want to admit that the great Rand McNally had lost a sock. So his entire rest of that journey, he was walking around with one sock, and everyone told him that he was wearing two socks because they didn't want to upset him. <sighs> wow. Really makes you think. Before we go any further, though, Matt Landry, could you go ahead and help us out by putting a, a Tab Cola medallion? This this segment brought to you by Tab, of course. Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to read a little note from our sponsor, if you don't mind. After a nice dab, enjoy a nice tab. They are, uh, I'm going to say, if you're looking for constructed feedback, Tab Cola, you're a little late. You're a little late on that meme. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they're also in search of a new uh, social media and marketing person. So anybody who wants to reach out to them, please just just mention Vince and I because then we get commission on that. Uh, but Matt, if you would stick this medallion into the map for us and then we can get the show on the road. Absolutely. It would be my honor. You just did that with mythical proportions. And I think it's a great segue into our next segment, Vince. It's one we like to call Friend or Folk. <laughs> Elliot, did you say that he did that with mythical proportions? I did, yes. So you mean to invoke to our listeners that he swelled to a mythical size as he placed the Tab Cola can in the map? Yeah, now, now that I'm realizing it, it, the map was more towards me, so it was sort of like a foreshortening. Uh, he was just reaching towards me. Yeah, it's a, yeah, an optical illusion of sorts. Um, so Friend or Folk is an interesting segment that we only break out in the most special of towns and it's a sort of like a game a game we play with each other with our guest and with you the listener to determine whether a piece of town's history uh making it a person usually but sometimes an event or something else of the same nature whether it really happened or whether it's a folk tale so vince in preparation for this segment i listened back to some of our old episodes because i couldn't really remember what friend or folk was did we work with the historical society the library and it just it was a pretty ill-conceived segment we, we can admit that part of growing is understanding what your past mistakes were elliot so in lieu of that I came up with a little different idea that I think suits Nergens, Kansas, and our guest very appropriately. I do love learning about new segments on the fly while we're recording, Elliot, so this is right up my alley. As much as I love being about to record an episode and realizing my co-host is not even in the town that we're in. Turnabout is fair play, I suppose. Let's hear it, Elliot. <laughs> so, guys, uh, in lieu of figuring out what the segment even was, I prepared for us three different socks. Each of us will have a sock that we know is either a friend or folk, real or a folk tale. So we can describe it, and then the other two people will guess, is this actually a sock that belonged to this person of note, or is it a myth? <laughs> well, let's dish out the socks then. <laughs> I do have them on uh, small dishes, so ah, like, everyone perfect. take your dish. So and the concept being, Elliot, because we're workshopping this in real time. Yes, we are. The sock is either a forgery or the real McCoy, an authentic piece of memorabilia, surely the sock won't just be 
a myth that won't exist on the plate that you're presenting it to me on. There is a tangible sock for all our listeners. There are, there is a tangible sock on the plate. We are merely saying, did this sock actually belong to say Abraham Lincoln or is it just a myth that he, <laughs> did this sock not actually belong to them? Is this just like a regular gray sock? I see. Okay. Okay. Um, I think the first word, and by the that, way, none of these belong to Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> right, right. No spoilers. Um, okay, great. Elliot, since you're the um, brains of this operation, the auteur, using the term uh, pretty loosely, why don't you kick things off? Okay, guys, uh, this sock on my plate, it's a pretty high sock. Uh, it even has those little sock garters on it. It's brown and gray, um, and it has, it has little grassy knolls on it and little rifles. <laughs> Oh, and stitched I'll, into the design. Yeah, oh, they're like embroidered. It would be a very uncomfortable sock to wear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the embroidery is very thick. Uh, a lot of people say that this sock is uh, a Lee Harvey Oswald original. And so, guys, if you want to examine this, if you notice any other details, what, what do you think? I would like to take a closer look at that. Why? Now, listeners, Matt Landry is known as the Sherlock Holmes of the sock business, one of his many monikers. So he he's able to detect things that most people would be unable to perceive about a sock and the person who might have worn it. So you're in for a treat. If you, if you notice oh, the back left like. of the uh, where the Achilles heel is, is, is sort of blown out. It's sort of tattered. And I think that's yes. pretty, it's a kind of a dead giveaway to me. Giving it a quick sniff and... Elliot, uh, I'm going to ask that you leave it to the professional. <laughs> smells like Moscow summer. You nailed it. This sock has definitely been in... Moscow at some point during the summertime. I believe, I'm not saying conspiracy theories are true, but if they are, then this is a mighty fine piece of evidence connecting this sock and Lee Harvey Oswald potentially to the Russian government. My God, he's done it again. (laughs) So you're saying that this is a, a Lee Harvey Oswald sock? I'm saying that if it is, certain conspiracy theories may be confirmed based on this sock alone. Okay, Vince, what do you think? Well, I'm no Sherlock Holmes of the sock game, but um, it does look old. Yeah, you're more of a Moriarty. Uh, excuse me? If anyone's no, Moriarty, sorry, it's you. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm Sherlock Holmes' big fat brother who works for the government, if I'm anyone. What's his name? Mycroft? Mycroft, yes, exactly. I'm going to say it's... I'm going to say it's friend. I'm going to say it's real. Hmm. Okay, guys. Well... Vince, Matt, both of you are 100% correct. Yes, this is a Lee Harvey Oswald original sock. He did wear socks with grassy knolls and guns stitched into them. I don't understand how anyone overlooked this in the evidence lockers. Well, it's not in the evidence lockers. You have it right here. <laughs> that's, that's also true. Well, it could, because he did lose one in Nurgens, Kansas. A lot of mysteries solved in Nurgens. At the bottom of a spinner. Well, Matt, because you called that one, uh, how about you describe to us the sock that you have on your plate? Uh, And again, I didn't look at any of these friend or folk notes. I wrote them with my eyes closed. Well, this sock seems quite old. Um, It's brown. It has, oh, what's this on the inside? Uh, Some sort of name embroidered. Oh, my. Oh, my sweet Lord. McNally? Wait a second. Whoa, hold on. (laughs) Elliot, go grab the car phone. It's in a brown Velcro bag like they used to have from the RV so someone can hold on to it. Hold on, I'll be right back. Okay, I have the phone. So hold that phone because are you telling me that you have a McNally original sock? That is exactly what I'm saying. The long lost left sock. Hold on, let me look at this. I don't know, Vince. The whole reason we came here is because there's this mythical lost sock. And now Matt just has it? A couple of things could be afoot, if you'll excuse the pun. I won't. Either his family has been absconding with that sock for generations, or maybe, just maybe, it's our lucky day and we've recovered the holy grail of Rand's artifacts. I don't know. If recording this podcast has taught me one thing, it's that I'm a very unlucky person. I don't think it's real. I'm. You know what, Matt? I'm going to say folk. This is this is a, has to be a forgery. It has to be some sort of a planet, planet Hollywood type prop in your original laundromat. And because I am ever the doe-eyed optimist who you know keeps hope and light afloat in this 
crazy thing we call a podcast, I'm going to say that it's real. I'm going to say that we did it. We uncovered a little piece of family history. Okay, so man, this sock is a replica. No! Yes! God! I knew I was right. The original is behind locked vaults. Perhaps I've been told. Whoa, so you guys have the original. This is a real roller coaster of a reveal, <laughs> Matt. I, I want to point out that the reason I thought it was a replica to begin with is because Rand had notorious bunions. And so the inside of each sock was sort of blown out. And he also rarely cut his toenails when he was on a journey. So they would go, th- they would grow through the socks I've read in his journals. It also should have been a giveaway that they spelled McNally McNorbly. <laughs> That's not how you spell <laughs> you know, it. I, I wasn't even looking at that. I went, that went right over my head. It's- well, that was a rousing round of friend or folk, even if in the end, my heart leaves a little broken. Well, maybe we can redeem it. What can you describe to us your sock, Vince? Yeah. So listeners, I'm looking at a sock. It's relatively, um, it's relatively standard. It's mid-American style, sweat gray. Um, but interesting about it, it has a number of pockets sewn onto it. <laughs> uh, compartments, hidden false passageways. Uh, small passageways, of course, given that they're inside of one <laughs> foot sock. Uh, but uh, yeah, it says here, the note says that this Rum Runner's sock is a classic once worn by Al Capone in his prohibition fighting days, he would stash little bottles and tinctures in his socks. And since at the time feet were a huge taboo, the authorities were bound by cultural chalk to not pat him down there on the feet. Can't touch another man's feet. You know, that's how the saying goes. Uh, so uh, I ask ye, Matt Landry, is this sock an original or? Is it merely a forgery? Give it a good whiff. <laughs> well, smells like crime. I don't know. I think I'm leaning towards an original Al Capone foot sock. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say hand sock at first, but this definitely is a foot sock. It has the that classic foot shape. Matt, I don't want to disagree with you, but to me, if this was a real Al Capone sock, we would all have syphilis right now for touching it we could feel it feel it in our bones and so i'm going to say that no vince this is folk this is not a real al capone sock drum roll please actually no we don't have to go through the trouble of breaking out the snare drum <laughs> it's real what everyone knows that you can only catch syphilis through touching people's handkerchiefs not actually their socks common misconception <laughs> and um yeah it's real uh Al Capone, unlike our great-great-grandfather, lost stuff all the time. He's misplacing full shipments of booze. So uh, if he can do that, misplacing one compartmentalized sock is child's play. We've got the certificate of authenticity here. And uh, this can be returned to the uh, the Nurgens, Kansas Museum of Socks. Who gave this to you, Vince? I guess I gave it to you. <laughs> but you I gave it read. to me, and then you had me write the notes in one of my fugue states, and so that we <laughs> didn't know the truth of any of these until the moment of reveal. It's a good combination we've got going on here. Yeah. I, regardless, though, I, I mean, this was a still a very anticlimactic segment. I vote that we should probably never do this segment again. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we get our guest to weigh in? What do you think of it, Matt Landry? The socks. Well, I gladly will take any donations. Uh to the Nurgens Lost Sock Museum, which I have been a curator for for going on 20 years. I'm not sure it'll uh, count as a donation since we took it from them, well, and now I we're will, just returning it. I but. will take it back, <laughs> gladly. <laughs> well, how that did you settles get, it, Elliot. How did you get them from me? Yeah, Elliot. I have a very expensive watchdog. No, he, I, I did sort of sneak past on my tiptoes in, in the night, past a watchdog. And then I was able to jump over some lasers, and I was able to procure these socks. Matt, because of Elliot's vegan diet, he doesn't actually <laughs> smell like human flesh. Like, if you take a smell of him, you've got a great olfactory system, so give him a whiff. He smells more like um, like a decomposing fern, <laughs> like, an, like an old plant that hasn't been watered. Yeah, and then a carnivorous beast, like a, a watchdog, your watchdog, wouldn't even raise its hackles at me you know it, it doesn't they, think he exists via yeah, they smell. basically think they're looking at a tree mm, perhaps i should get a vegan watchdog <laughs> well 
Live and learn, I guess. You've bested my security system. <laughs> and yes, you do have fern-like qualities about you, I must say. Well, thank you. I think that's a great compliment. Uh, and, you know, even though this wasn't the best segment in the world, Vince, at any time that we've ever done it, I think we have lived and we have learned. And I think it inspires us to push forward into a more better established segment. I agree. Oh, you want me to say it? Yeah, it's a segment that we call Random Thoughts. So, listeners, Random Thoughts is um, a new spin on an old favorite uh, where we used to have you write in with questions. We still do that, but we also supplement it with a piece of written history from our own great-great-grandfather, Rand. He took extensive notes during his many travels, and we will read one about his time in Nurgens, Kansas today. So, Elliot, if you want to put on your third layer of latex gloves, open the hermetically sealed shoebox... That's a good sound. Yeah. Love that sound. And go ahead and, and open to the ninth page. And and here you go, Vince. All right. Uh, so what we've got here. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. We have a few sketches, Da Vincian sketches based on how the spin machine, how'd you call it? An old spinner? I don't want to get the terminology wrong. The old spinner. How an old spinner works. Uh, it's like a Vitruvian man of a washing machine. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's our our uh, great great grandfather had a gift for art. Um, it's it's beautiful, really. Also, also listed a few notes. He said, "I think this machine will change the way that man fundamentally looks at his soiled garments. No more shall a few splotches in the underclothes serve as reason." to suffer for many days on the trail. Instead, stop by and get the soil spun out of it. I'm tearing up. So, Vince, are we to believe that our great-great-grandfather is taking credit for the invention of the old spinning machine? I think not. I think instead we should see it as a a man who's come upon what he sees as a modern-day miracle. He stumbles into Nurgens. He, He looks upon the contraptions, something he could only imagine, and it it takes the trail stains out of his clothes. He, he, he must imagine at this point that life has changed for him and all travelers. So he, he sees this as almost a deity. He's inspired by it. It becomes his new muse. A muse is exactly the term I would use. Now, there are some strange equations, some, some, uh, some things written down in a code that I can't quite understand. Maybe, Matt, you would take a look at this and, and let us know what you think. Uh, I have seen this before, I must admit. Uh, back in the early days, it was not uncommon for someone to perhaps worship an old spinner or perhaps try to replicate it in their home using unnatural ingredients. You, you can say witchcraft on this podcast. It's okay. Well, I wouldn't want to jinx jinx us. But yes, uh, there were some perhaps black magic used in the early concepts of the spinner and definitely a lot of people that came in with dirty clothes purposefully made them as dirty as possible so they could please the spinner this is not something that you know i've i've not seen before and it looks like perhaps rand may have gotten caught up in a whirlwind of emotion and admiration for totally definitely an inanimate object that has no spiritual power so this is where in in history we get the okies from the dust bowl people were wanted to get so dusty because they worshipped this spinning machine they wanted to get so dusty to see if it could clean their dusty clothes yes and there's a lot of people that believe that the dust ball dust storms were caused by worshippers of the great spinner from beyond uh, you know, cultish activity. Mm. What is a to tornado bring... but a giant natural spin cycle? Indeed. Oh. Indeed, indeed. Now, bear with me, gentlemen. I'm going to try something. If it backfires, I, I at least know that you two will memorialize what was written on this page originally. I'm going to spritz the page with detergent. <laughs> And look, a secret message is revealed. It appears to be a message to your great-great-grandfather, Matthew Landry. Do you want to read it, Matt? I would certainly like to read it. <clears throat> Dear Matthew, the spinner has been pleased. I have left, but a sacrifice, 
an immortal sacrifice behind so that he may be forever sated and held back. I have given up what is most precious to me to hold back the darkness. You have created a great thing for mankind, but the potential of his downfall. I wish you the best, Matt, and all of your generations after you. I leave in the belly of the beast my most powerful foot sock. <laughs> Take this knowledge with you to your grave. Wow. Tell no man. Oh, wow. So basically what this is saying is that Rand's lost sock, his infamous lost sock, wasn't a lost article of clothing at all. This was done purposefully. That certainly seems to be what the letter is implying. <laughs> I wish you would have brought this up in the previous segment, friend or folk. Perhaps I should have, but as you know, my great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather took this knowledge with him to the grave. I was simply told never to truly bring it up again. Ah, wow. You were only a vessel. Well, this, is, this has been amazing i vince this is kind of skewing my whole perception of norgans kansas and our great-great-grandfather i feel bad forever doubting truly we have paid the price of hubris why doubt a man who's never given us any reason to until now well matt thank you so much for reading that letter to us and would you do the honors of reading another letter a letter a letter from one of our listeners uh uh, certainly yes dear elliot and vince how are you today are we supposed to respond to it? Uh, we're, well, yeah, we're fine. More. We're doing well. There's more to, yeah, we're there's more to the letter. Mm, okay. I was wondering, perhaps, what is your favorite rest stop activity while you are traveling across the states? Well, that's nice. Usually we get like a themed question about, you know, the town we're in, but someone checking in on us. I, I won't lie, Elliot. It feels good. It does feel good. And I think it, it it just makes me realize that people sympathize with us. They empathize with us. It's a strenuous journey we're on, Vince, traveling all over the, the place. And I think this is a very poignant note to ask, you know, what are we doing when we're not bringing joy to people all the time? We have to take rests. We have to stop at these rest stops. So, uh, Vince, what do you like to do? Uh, I think my favorite activity uh, when we're at a rest stop is to go to various uh, petrol stations, uh, gas stations, and uh, they'll often like throw away a lot of food that's like still pretty good. So I'm talking little snack cakes. I'm talking uh, those heat lamp hot dogs. And, you know, what I'll do is I'll sort of set a trap. I'll like lay a plastic tarp down in the dumpster. And then when they throw out the stuff, I'll like pick up the tarp, which now has become a mighty bindle full of snacks. Listeners, we have mountains of discarded snacks in the back of our RV. It's why it weighs so much. And we actually do have to stop at those truck way stops uh, that you see on the highway sometimes. Absolutely. And the grand irony is I end up throwing out a lot of it without eating it. So I'm really just yes. transferring it from dumpster to dumpster. <laughs> they are expired snacks. I don't know why you keep picking them up. Uh, my favorite thing to do also is food related. I like to go to very small town gas stations, approach the counter after sort of scanning arbitrarily at the Gatorades, Mountain Dews, beers, what have you, and ask if they have kombucha. And then sort of just watch and see if they know what that is and uh, see what their reactions are to it. Yes, I believe, what's the term you have for it? Kombucha baiting? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like catfishing, but uh, with a kombucha. Well, hey, let's not be rude. Let's ask uh, Matt Landry. You're a man of travel. You're a man of means. You, You get around. What do you like to do when you're you know, taking a break on the road. Well, when I'm in between crushing small-time laundromats in rural towns, putting them out of business and adding them into my empire, or I should say liberating them from their stresses. um, (laughs) The stresses of owning a business and having the means to support their family, yeah. Absolutely. Why own a business when you can simply work for me? Uh, I... My favorite thing to do is to watch all the little dogs because a lot of people, they take their their dogs on little road trips and while they do love to go out and play in the grass and defecate and whatnot. (laughs) But uh, I'm, I'm kind of a dog watcher when I'm taking a rest. That's when I'm truly at rest 
is watching other people's dogs. That's nice. I like it's sort that. of like how a lot of people are mesmerized watching those front-loading washing machines. You get mesmerized just by watching dogs. Yes, well, I always was more of a dog person, but destiny has called me to spin on. Yeah, you know, as the saying goes, there's two types of people in this world, dog people and then laundry people. As my old grandmother used to say. Very, very thoughtful stuff. And Vince, I think we should spin on to our next segment. Yes, it's something we call Best Kept Secrets. Now, listeners, Best Kept Secrets is our segment that we examine sort of the seedy underbelly of the town, the more risque side of things. But for Nurgans, Kansas, we're going to examine the dirty laundry of the clothes cleaning business. So, Matt, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what maybe uh, isn't as glamorous um, in the laundromat business, something that you've experienced through your time in Nurgens, Kansas. What what sort of underground illicit activities are happening? Before I get into detail, uh, what is the matter of this distribution, uh, for this information? How much of this is, uh, I have debts to pay and, People have debts paid to me. So. Well, I think our listenership is what? It's in the tens at this point, Vince, right? Absolutely perfect. <laughs> well, the dirty business, the dirty laundry of the laundromat business is uh, there's shakeouts and shakedowns and shootouts and whatnot. Absolutely. Shootouts? Well, there's some businesses don't give up so easily. Mm. When, you know, my first offer. So my second offer usually involves something, uh, a matter of, you know, a Tide Pod through the window or perhaps, <laughs> you know, filling their gas tanks with, you know, liquid Tide or perhaps a non-threatening but somewhat imposing amount of Tide delivered to somebody's home with a return address to Landry's Laundry. Correct me if, if the rumors are untrue, but these... Uh, threats are always accompanied by a simple uh, little band of paper, sort of like you'd get inside a fortune cookie, and it says, the tides have turned, signed Landry. That is absolutely right. Yeah, I mean business, and people know I mean business when a, a massive tide of Tide products comes their way. Does Tide know that you're using their products for for these We're, sort of threatening activities? I mean, it's not my fault that that's what they called their product. No, I mean, they've been made aware. Uh, I've received hmm. several threats, which I have dealt with on my own terms. Yeah, you actually, when you came in to record with us this afternoon, you had several cease and desist letters stuck to your boot with some yes. detergent. Yes, I, I, I did have quite a few. Uh, thank you for helping me pry those off. They were uh, mighty <laughs> difficult to get off of my boot. Yeah, with the, with the detergent and the dust around the town, it creates sort of like a glue, and that will just stick to anything. Yeah, b- yeah. bluish cement. Yeah, the streets of Nergens are you know, known for their dusty, crusty, and bluish tint uh, you know, features. Uh, lots of laundry detergent uh, and well, dirt on the roads. That's one of our, you know, a lot of people call us the, the city of blue roads. You also use it for uh, mustache wax. You have a very thick handlebar mustache. Oh, wow, uh, thank you. held in place with this, this cement liquid. Yes, well, a mustache isn't going to hold itself there, so I figured I'd give it a little bit of help. Matt, do you have any, um, any cadre of people that are unwilling to join your regime? People who want to go it alone, people who have been exceptionally resistant to um, joining the laundromat empire that you've built. Yes, the Fergusons. I can tell already that these are a bunch of scoundrels. Willie and Nellie Ferguson have been running the only other laundromat in Nurgens. They actually live in Nurgens. This isn't even a neighboring town. That's no. That's how. That's that's how much it hurts to every day. And they opened it up right across the street from my mansion as like a taunt. You know, when they found out that I was the laundry king they said well you're gonna drive two miles to your own store you're gonna go right across the street for your laundry and i'll admit 
some days it's just more convenient. I've tried to buy them out multiple times, and they just smile and say that'll be twenty five cents. They still charge twenty five cents for their laundry. Wow! So they are really not getting a lot of money in, in twenty eighteen dollars. No, they certainly are not. It is simply a business of spat. <laughs> yeah, both of them are independently wealthy, and so is his family. I was yes. paging through Rand's journal again, and their great great grandparents, the Fergusons. Apparently, we're still around when your great-great-grandfather started his business. Rand just has 30 pages written in, I'm going to say red ink, but it might be blood. It just says Ferguson over and over and over again. Yes, I, it, was, it was dark times back then. You know, my, my great-great-grandfather tried to court, you know, Miss Ferguson, but it went south, and there was a lot of money involved, and, well, there was perhaps, you know, some quarreling. And it's kind of escalated to this day where every day I wake up, get my paper, I have to look at a laundromat that's not owned by me. Wow. I can't I can think of very thing. few fates worse than what you experience on a daily basis, sir. It's brutal. I didn't know that this segment, which is usually full of rollicking capers and half baked schemes, would end somewhere so emotional. But and again, there are a lot of things about these towns that we start out not knowing. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely uh, more fully baked than the usual capers that we're talking about. This has definitely been run on the permanent press cycle, Vince, uh, and it is a permanent pressing matter to the Landry family. I can't even imagine waking up every morning and seeing this one laundromat who doesn't want to conceit, who wants to live in destitution, basically, rather than join what could be the, the most amazing experience of their life. That was a, quite a profusion on your part, Elliot, there. I blacked out. I, I also <laughs> enter into fugue states every now and then <laughs> with long and rambling prose. Well, Elliot, why don't we enter the fugue state that is our next and final segment? Uh, let's do it, Vince. It's called Did You Know? So, listeners, we know that in 2018, you've got places to go and people to see. So we've got a fast, rapid-fire fact segment full of trivia where we throw five fast facts back and forth. All right, that was a tongue twister. My first one back. So th- what we do is basically go around and say five facts about Nergens. And so why don't we start with the man himself? Matt Landry, do you have the first Did You Know fact for us? Did you know that Nergens has the tallest mountain in all of the county? So, so Kansas usually isn't known as a mountainous area. And this mountain you're, you're talking about, how, how high is it? Well, it's about, I mean, it's like 200 feet. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. actually no geologian, so I'm not sure. Is that, a t- is that very tall? Is that not so tall? I mean, for the area, it's, it's, it's quite tall. You know, you can see for miles, but then there's a little, you know, well, what's that? A hill? No, that's a mountain. And this is like where your family's estate is built on, right? You have the house on the hill. Yeah, La- Landry Mount. If you squint your eyes, it sort of looks like a, a ringer t-shirt. Yes, we have heard that before. Well, I didn't well, know that, uh, <laughs> but it makes sense. Uh, from from your perch, you can see all of your empire. I certainly can. Sprawling out even into the, the southern United States. That's just how flat, listeners, things are <laughs> around these southern parts of the United States. Uh, I didn't know that. But uh, did you guys know? There is an ongoing feud, not between families, but between schools of thought, whether you should use a dryer sheet or not. Vince, I think those are fighting words around here. Matt Landry, you owning... A laundromat empire. What do you think? What's your take on this? Look, uh, you've rolled up your sleeves. <laughs> I'm not one to tell somebody how to live their life, but seems like you are though. A dryer sheet. If you need a dryer sheet to make your clothes not smell like you, then perhaps you need to work on you know other aspects of your hygiene. You know, mm-hmm. and a, a truly powerful spinner, the spinner Mark Forty. We'll never need a dryer sheet, and it is an insult to the machine if you mm. put a dryer sheet in. That's Don't my personal it. opinion. It's sort of like the old adage, a, a true craftsman never blames his tools. Absolutely. Sort of like the even older adage that you never salt a chef's meal. Or the even older adage that you should never blame your washing machine for not washing your clothes properly. Oh, yeah. It is most like that one. <laughs> yeah, it seems to just stem from that one, actually, I think. <laughs> or the more local adage that we have is, don't put a dryer sheet 
in your Mark 40. <laughs> yeah, that one. That one's even more appropriate yeah. for the occasion. That's like right down the line. Well, well, I didn't know that, guys. But did you know that Nergens, Kansas, has a giant nudist colony? Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. That would have been valuable information. Uh, so, Matt, I'm sure you could add some color to this, uh, maybe a peachy, fleshy color. Because so many people lose so many articles of clothing at your different laundromat establishments, of, of their own faults, obviously, people have taken to not wearing any clothes at all. Don't ask me why they were going to the laundromat naked in the first place. Uh, but a lot of people don't even have clothes anymore. It's bad for business is what it is. You know, a lot of people becoming nudists because, you know, some machine may have, you know, consumed their clothes and now they don't trust any of them and now they're not going to buy clothes and being free and all that, you know, they come by, they pick at my house, come up the mountain, all naked and whatnot. I have to shoo them off. Uh, you know, they've been out probably in the woods. You know, there's about... Well, there were 40 of them last summer. Now there's about 42 of them this summer. And, uh, you know, it's a slowly, you know, growing insurrection uh, against, you know, decent people that like to just wear clean clothes. You know, all account of a couple of mistakes that we have been trying to rectify. These, these people are naked. They're dusty. They're sandy. It just seems like very uncomfortable uh, a way of life in Bergen's Kansas to me. Absolutely. I mean, it's the dustiest town while this part of Kansas. Uh, Nergens is, is not known for being a, a, a not dusty place. It's known for being the dusty place. Yeah, Elliot. Come on. <laughs> it is on the billboard. It's Nergens, Kansas, the dusty place. I don't know why anybody would choose to be a nudist in, in that climate, but, you know, to each their own, I suppose. But I would love to have their business back. If any of you nudists are listening now, the Mark 41 is guaranteed not to consume any more clothes coming this October. Because <laughs> the, the Mach 40, I looked at this in, in, when I was taking a tour of your laundromat. It seemed like there was a, a trap door mechanism inside it. So when you put your clothes in, they just sort of funneled down into an abyss. Yes, I mean, well, we thought we would be, you know, revolutionaries. Like, you're going to lose clothes anyway. You might as well just, you know, deposit a couple down see what happens and try to streamline the whole process but uh found out that we lost a little bit of business because of that school of thought sure. you can't innovate without breaking a few eggs well i didn't know that but did you gentlemen know that much like the great molasses incident in boston there was a great laundry detergent incident here in nergens around the turn of the century the late the late 1910s a giant vat of laundry detergent burst drowning the city in it so so what happened Vince? well there are a few conflicting accounts all agree that this is how the streets got their famous blue coloration but uh it's regalement in the microfiche differs between a fun sudsy bubble party and a horrific life-ending incident yeah this seems akin to the the boston molasses incident i mean I'm assuming the bodies were just piling up, almost cryogenically frozen in laundry detergent. It says here, again in the fiche, uh, two dead, dozens inconvenienced. You you want to take us back, Matt, to that fateful day? Well, yes, uh, I remember hearing about it as a child. To this day, you're all right, the streets are still blue, but, you know, the two dead, I would just like to say, probably not related to any laundry products at whatsoever. I've been told, totally natural causes coincidental timing uh dozens inconvenienced is a bit of a stretch you know i like to consider it that it was a day that the city really needed to be cleaned up a bit a lot of people were out being extra dusty and whatnot you know there may have been a foreman that may have been asleep and there may have been a leak that was perhaps overlooked but it was a happy accident in my opinion and there was just a lot of soap and a lot of slipping and a lot of laughing and a lot of singing and everybody was having a good old clean time. Well, there you have it, folks, straight from the spinner's mouth. That That's good enough of an explanation for me. And with that, Matt, can you give us our last did you know fact? Uh, yes. Did you know that Nergens has the best corned beef sandwiches this side of Kansas? Wow, I did not know that at all. Absolutely. We've been world famous for them. A lot of people, they know us for our dusty town or our laundry, 
empire, capital. But truly, one of my favorite parts is the the best corned beef sandwiches made out of real corn. <laughs> Have you ever had a, a corn beef sandwich with just straight corn cob inside? I, so this is a straight vegan sandwich. Oh, uh, absolutely! You would love it, Fern Man. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like something I would love. I've also uh, read a little about. This amazing sandwich. A lot of you know subways or pot bellies in the world tout their amazing toaster ovens. You guys bake these sandwiches right in the drum of that Mach forty one dryer. Yes, a multi use uh, appliance. Just give it a good scrub, and then it's ready to either cook a corned beef sandwich or, or clean your clothes or any other number of appliance needs. So if our listeners want to come to town, to Nurgens, for one of these amazing corned beef sandwiches, is there an establishment that you would recommend they go to? Oh, uh, yes. Corny Cobbs. Best corned beef sandwich this part of Nurgens. If you go in there and you tell them you know Matt, they'll get you the special. What's the special? Well, the special is a corned beef sandwich. That's all they sell. But, you know, they'll, <laughs> make, they'll make it with uh-huh. love. It's inherently special, just the same itself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a rousing round of did you know, and and thanks not only for your participation in it, Matt Landry, but for taking this ride with us. We know you're a man, you're a tycoon, you're a baron, and you know you're a leader of industry. So to take time to sit with us has really been a treat. Uh, maybe you'll help us out one more time as we get to our actual last and final segment. It's called Wish You Were Here. Now, listeners, Wish You Were Here is my and Vince's and our guest's audio postcard to Rand from the town we're visiting this week. It goes something like this. Dear Rand, Wish You Were Here in Nurgens, Kansas. A place dedicated to laundry and a place dedicated by the Landry family. A place that had the nation's first laundromat and the last great corned beef sandwich. A place dustier than anywhere else, but cleaner streets can never be found. A town that touts the lost articles of clothing of some of the nation's greatest heroes. The seat of a laundry empire, and the place where you made a little bit of history. Farewell from these parts to yours. (laughs) 